Hi, Rodney Jane here. Be safe these holidays with Bob Jane T-Mart's great getaway deals. Buy three, get the fourth tyre free on selected Bridgestone, Yokohama, Dunlop and J-Tracks. Up to $100 instant cash back on a range of Michelin, Continental, Goodyear, Bob Jane Zenon and Moto Sport X. Alloy wheels from only $125 and tyres from just $69, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Test and apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news, powered by race fuels in association with Bob Jane T-Marts. From supercars to club racing, race fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need them, and fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Each week, multi-award winning journalist Mark Fogarty brings the big stories and talks to the big names. If it matters in motorsport, you'll hear it first, right here on Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Supercars team owner explains Gen 3 agony in plain English. Voice of Sports Cars is back for the Bathurst 12 hour and he's excited. Plus, drama on the dirt at Warrnambool. All this and more, straight ahead on Parked Up Plus. Here's folks. Hi there, race fans. Never a dull moment in this business. As we get ready for the Bathurst 12 Hour, starring Valentino Rossi, more Gen 3 supercars delays dominate discussion. As we've been forecasting, almost all supercars teams are not ready to start testing their Gen 3 races this week. The exception is Tim Blanchard's one-car cool-drive racing operation set to run solo with its Ford Mustang at Winton on Wednesday. New driver Todd Hazelwood will also debut Blanchard Racing Team's new livery. The Supercars Commission last week freed up pre-season testing, allowing teams to run, well, when they're ready. That's next week for the Queensland team's and as late as February 13 and 14 at Winton for the Southern Squats. It is, by any measure, a bit of a debacle, and certainly, given the parts supply delays and late homologation squabble, the last-minute testing rush before the season-opening Newcastle 500, well, it was inevitable. But all is not lost. Amid the chaos and raucous silence from supercars, Team owner Brad Jones has stuck his head above the parapet to explain how Gen 3 will actually get there. BJR is racing to build four Chevrolet Camaros and Jones himself has been in the thick of the tortuous Gen 3 gestation as a member of the Supercars Commission. Jones is a voice of reason and, in plain terms, he tells Parked Up Plus that Gen 3 isn't the big mess it appears from the outside. Well, it's not so much that things have gone wrong. Um, uh, it's, it's you know, it's a big process to, to design and build a car, and it's, it's an, a, an unusual process for a lot of the teams. In the past, we've made a lot of the stuff ourselves, and, and um, at this point, you know, we, we're very reliant on suppliers, and... and um, it's a very short window. If you think about when the Mustang came out, was first seen at, at Bathurst, then we've had to go through the 
the uh, the process to get homologation for the body shape and then start to build the cars, a lot of which weren't signed off until till VCAT had been done. So it's just time. And and um, this happens with the, with the build of every car, you're always running late. So I'm not sure that it's a lot worse than it was when we did this 10 years ago, but it's, um, you know, it's hard at the moment. I can only imagine, but you're not in panic mode yet. Uh, look, it would have been nice to have a car out on the first and, and we're probably not very far away from that. I think we're a long way down with our, our first car build, but at the end of the day, we're going to go racing at Newcastle and, and to get the best result there, I feel like you need to do a lot of preparation work in the workshop. We haven't got a complete car yet, so we haven't had a lot of time to look around it and, and work out, you know, where we want to be and what we want to do. So, I'm I'm to say I'm not panicking would be untrue. I know I'm quite stressed. Um but at the end of the day, I know the suppliers, we talk to them every day, we know where they're at, they're trying as hard as they can. Um and and we just need to be a bit more patient. And so for BJR, you know, we're hoping to to shave the car or two down on the seventh or eighth. But you know, it's it's gonna be really dependent on when we get an under tray for the front of the car and and bits and bobs that we're waiting for, there's still a lot to be done. Jones also confirmed that the Southern teams will undertake serious testing at Winton on February 13 and 14. Yeah, I'd say I'd say proper testing is going to go on around there. I mean, I think Blanchard's going to make the first. You know, they've been um, they, they need one of everything, and and I think when, you know what they can't get, they're sort of compromising with. So. Um, they're really keen to to get their car out there and good on them, but but certainly for BJR we want to make sure that we have the car um, as close as we can to how we're going to race it and and um, go through the the process that we feel we need to go through. I mean, Blanchard's have done an amazing job to get that car to a point where where they can run it, but it's. A little bit different with the Ford. I don't think anyone's going to run a Camaro on the on the 30th, 31st or 1st. You know, we're still waiting for too much stuff. It's interesting. So how can Blanchard get one car up? But, well, couldn't you get one car up then? Oh, or, well, it depends. Or, or, you, you, you were explaining that well, some of the Chevy bits are a bit behind, I guess. Yeah, some of the Chevy bits are a bit behind, but we all run a common under trade. Um, I, I just, I mean, we made the call here at BJR probably two weeks ago that we wouldn't go on the first, that we would go a bit later. And I don't think it makes any difference, to be honest. I mean, when we did this last time around, we were the last team to have our cars built. And then we went to Sydney Motorsport Park and we didn't have wipers working. We had a whole heap of things not going right. And um, and we were the fastest and, and continued to be a front runner for a period of time. So... I don't think there's a race to be the first one out there. I don't think other than other than, you know, an opportunity for to say you were the first. I don't I don't see the benefit. The benefits in making sure the cars get built and we, we run through all the all the new parts on that car, which is almost everything, to make sure we understand how we need to go about setting this car up. And then when we're at that point, go and shake it down. So the chassis are all the same. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go with the Mustang on the first, and hopefully nothing will go wrong with it. But 
you know, it's not always a great move to be the first Indian. With all the delays, the teams are under huge pressure. On the upside, though, Ray Jones says the all-new Gen 3 Camaro and Mustang races will be worth all the aggravation. Um, well, because teams are the last ones in in the in the order, and that's a difference between something that's on a computer and something that's running around the racetrack. Um, the timelines dragging out have have shrunk what's what's available to the team. So yeah, the, there's a lot of pressure on the teams, and and the teams are really the ones, you know. They're, they're like the full forward, you know, they're expected to kick the goal and and there's, there's you know, it's, there's no break. You know, you, you need to have the cars built and we need to work as hard as we have to work to make the cars uh, operational and, and the very best they can be by the time we go to Newcastle. And so the teams continually do that. You know, you see a car smashed up on a Saturday night and all of a sudden it's, it's fixed and it's racing on Sunday. You know, the guys might have worked all night and, and had some other people help them, but that's what they do. And that and that's that's a great thing about about the teams. You know, we'll we'll get the job done. And I don't have any doubt about that. Despite all the aggravation in the build up to Gen three, you know, on paper, it looks like they'll be beautiful race cars. Are they? Yeah, more more than just on paper. You know, obviously we're on the weekend for a fair bit of time, and just sitting there in an empty workshop, you know, looking at at the car, even with without the body on it, you know, they look great. And and um, we've got one here that um, we put the doors on this morning. Uh, you know, they're amazing looking cars, and and if we've achieved nothing other than we've got something updated to race and relevant um then we've achieved that because they they certainly look the business jones adds that well as ever the show must and will go on and he hopes that bjr will once again adapt to the big change quicker than most oh 100 it always does and and um you know, think of the things that we've been through um, supercars I'm talking about. Think of the things we've been through over the years, builds of new cars, transmission problems, tyres, you know, all the things that, that can can be problem um, problems have been overcome. And and this will just this is just a build problem that we're going through that's painful at the moment. We're going to be quite short on spares, but we'll get through it. And and look, I think if these things race half as good as they look, we're in for a pretty exciting couple of years. Last time we had a big change in supercars, the switch to car of the future back in 2013, Brad Jones Racing uh, rocketed out of the box and you were very competitive deep into that initial car of the future season. Do you expect to be similarly competitive up the front at the start of Gen 3? I'd like to hope so, but the truth is I don't think anyone's got a clue. You know, we're certainly working just as hard as we normally do, but but um, um, you know, we we spent, had a very very strong plan through that process, and we stuck to it, and and we came out of the blocks. This is you know, there's a lot of similar parts in the car, but we went into a transaxle. This is different. There's a lot of 
like there's hardly anything that's similar from car to car. But um, yeah, I'd like to. I'm an optimist, and I'd like to think that it's a reset. And and um, but we'll see. More insights and explanations from Brad Jones in the full interview, which you'll hear in Grant Rowley's parked up on Thursday. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name. It's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Welcome back. In other supercars news, conversations between Ford and supercars over the final form of the Gen 3 Mustang are still, to quote an inside source, ongoing. Parked Up Plus understands throttle response mapping on the 5.4-litre Coyote V8 has been agreed. But we're hearing there's still dispute over aero parity, which may yet result in another straight-line runoff between the Mustang and the Camaro. We hear that at this late hour, Ford is still agitating for, shall we say, fine-tuning. Grove Racing is set to reveal its Penrite Racing livery for David Reynolds and rookie Matt Payne's Mustangs on Friday. This weekend's Liquamoli Bathurst 12-hour is shaping up as a classic confrontation. Not a big GT3 field, but plenty of quality overseas and local entries. Top foreign GT teams and drivers will take on or join Australian outfits supported by supercar stars of the likes of Shane Van Gisbergen, Brock Feeney, Jamie Winkup and David Reynolds, plus Richie Stanaway and James Golding, among others. Some overseas teams are back after the COVID interruption, and so is the international voice of sports car racing, John Hindoff. He'll return to the commentary booth alongside Richard Crail and Garth Tander for the live coverage on Fox Sports and Channel 7. Now, Hindoff is famous for heading the Radio Le Mans broadcasts around the world and calling all the big sports car and GT races across the globe. He calls the Daytona 24 Hours Classic on the weekend, and as we speak, he's winging his way to Bathurst for the 12-hour. Before he left Florida, I spoke with Hindoff for his expert thoughts on the Mount Panorama Race Around the Clock's return as the opening round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge. He thinks the slightly smaller field for the Bathurst 12-hour actually hits the sweet spot. You've got a balance to strike. You've always had a balance to strike on uh, on that particular track. And to get the right number of cars uh, so that you get good racing without everybody tripping over themselves is always going to be difficult. Everybody loves more cars. Everybody looks at the big entry. But I think we're about right this time. And what the last couple of years have proved and... By no means am I saying let's not have the international field there, but it's proved last year that the Lucknow Money Bathurst 12 hours 
it can sustain itself with uh, an Aussie and a pro-am uh, field from the region. Uh, the race last year was outstanding. It was a different atmosphere. It was a different character for sure. And there, there is an excitement about bringing uh, some of the newer cars down, about bringing some of the teams down and what that can do. I've said this to you before. We've had this chat, haven't we? The race that most people ask me about when I'm on my travels for Radio Show Limited, whether we're in the States, whether we're doing Creventic, whether we're in the Middle East, whether we're in the Far East, the race that people ask me about most is the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 Hours. Is it really as good as it sounds? Is the mountain really what we describe it as? Does it look as good in real life as it does on the television? And the answer to all of those is yes, yes. Hell yes, even better in terms of what the circuit is like. And, and these are racing drivers that I'm talking about. These are not necessarily fans and, and enthusiasts. These are racing drivers and they want to be there. And I think it does add a different dimension for everybody concerned. And if nothing else, it means that all the great drivers that you've got in region get the opportunity to pit themselves against some of the best drivers of GT3 machinery in the world. And what for me, what that does is proves just what a depth of talent you've got in region uh, down there in Australia and New Zealand. According to Hindoff, the Bathurst 12-hour will, as usual, be unpredictable. But he thinks new BMW recruit WRT and motorcycle superstar Valentino Rossi will be the ones to watch. It would be easy to just make the obvious uh, predictions, but the mountain chooses. We've said this before. We really won't know until probably we get into the last hour. And if there's a safety car after that, we might not even know that. I'll tell you now, you've got to watch out for WRT. I know they've changed manufacturers. They've won this race before with Audi. They're now with BMW. They won Dubai a couple of three weeks ago in their first outing with BMW, which was meant to be a test session. Von Son Voss, the man behind WRT, told me, ah, this is a test session. We're not taking it seriously till we go up the mountain. That's our first big event for BMW. Well, I'll tell you, they were sharp, very sharp indeed. And that's two years in a row they've won the Dubai 24 hours. They'll be wanting to come back and start their account on the international stage uh, down under in Australia with another win. And they've got a bloke in there with Valentino Rossi, along with Maxime Martin and Augusto Farfus. Uh, Valet is a quick study. He's going to be mobbed. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's going to cause interest. It's going to cause a lot of major interest. He's serious about this. He's done a year in GT Masters for Audi. He's made the transition at the BMW M4. He did his night stints at Dubai, didn't shirk anything, didn't shirk the interviews. And his core driver is telling me he is sponging up information. And anything with Von Son Voss behind, him, behind it, you've got to think that's pretty good. The, the M4, GT4, uh, GT3, excuse me, has had all the wrinkles knocked out of it. Um, and the car is pretty sharp. So they are going to be undoubtedly, I think, one of the favourites when we come in. John Hindoff was at the Daytona 24 hours, which he says was a strong start for the new era GTP hybrid sports car races. 
I've come away really pleasantly surprised. In fact, impressed when most of those cars haven't run even a full year yet. And okay, problems with some of the spec parts, the hybrid bundle, as we're calling it, which includes the battery and the inverters and one or two other things, some of the cooling systems, weighs about uh, 75 to 100 kilos, and it comes out in one unit. Two of those had to be changed, one for BMW and one for Porsche relatively early on. However, once that was done, they had pretty clean runs. Um, so the attrition rate of the nine cars were pretty good. We had seven of them still battling out towards the end of the race. The irony is in the new era is that we picked up where we left off with Cadillac and Acura being at the front of the field. Acura will be the happiest, A, because they won, and B, because they have got a really good-looking package. The car is fast. It looks stable. It punches out of the slow and medium corners really impressively. All these manufacturers are using different engine configurations and they're using the hybrid in a slightly different way. Acura have got the smallest, lightest engine. It's a, a little 2.6 V6. Everybody uses the spec hybrid unit, but they certainly looked the real deal and the most complete package. Porsche will be the most disappointed. You've got Porsche, Penske, Motorsport, and the same outfit is going to run their WEC campaign as well. Porsche have not come into this to do anything else other than win. This format has brought them in. This new set of regulations have brought them back to the top level of sports car racing. And really, neither of their cars performed the way they wanted to. The one lap pace was there, even over a stint of 50 minutes or thereabouts, which is what these cars are getting. The pace was there or thereabouts, but they didn't have the reliability. And the car looked difficult to drive at the very top end of its performance range. Heindolf was also impressed by the sports car debut of Scott McLaughlin, who combined with fellow Team Pesky IndyCar star Joseph Newgarden to finish fifth in the LMP2 class. Scott McLaughlin is one of those rare individuals who has a talent for driving everything nowadays. In some ways, I would say he was born out of time. We don't see many crossover stars anymore. You think of, for me, always the best was quick Vic Elford. He would be driving a rally car one week, a touring car another week, a Formula One car another week. I put Scott McLaughlin totally in that mould. I reckon you could put him in a touring car, a TCR car, a GT car. You could put him in anything and it wouldn't take him long to get up to speed. He was loving the prototype, the LMP2 cars. They were slowed down by about 50 horsepower, so he wasn't getting a, a, a true experience of the, the big prototypes. I think it's important that he did that. There's a future, I think, for him coming in and doing some more sports car racing. Joseph Newgarden, uh, IndyCar, twice IndyCar champion, was, was with him. And uh, those two guys were gaining experience now, you might ask, for what? And the answer is, well, watch this space. McLaughlin is a superstar, top, bottom, and in the middle, and yet he never forgets where he's come from. He was ace at the media day, came over and said hello. We talked about the mountain. Of course, we did. I think that was the last time that I saw him. And he, he can do whatever he wants. He's carving a really good path in the U.S., and he's got a 
heck of a future ahead of him in IndyCar, in sports cars. Hey, if he wants to go and do global rallycross, I reckon he'd probably be good at that as well. He's ridiculously talented. John Hindoff will be heard on Fox Sports and Seven's live coverage of the Bathurst 12-hour on Saturday and Sunday. Back after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. And we're on the run to the chequered flag. Australian Racing Group's Speed Series will be backed by Shannon's Insurance. The new deal completes the integration with the Motorsport Australia Championships. The eight-round Shannon Speed Series featuring TCR, S5000 and Touring Car Masters starts at Race Tasmania at the end of next month. Speed Series will be shown live on Stan Sport. And now, here with his roundup of a big weekend of racing here and abroad is Grant Rowley. Thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Timo. Queenslander Brock Hallett pulled off a last lap pass to win the Southwest Conveyancing 50th Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic at the Premier Speedway in Warrnambool. The Portland-based Queenslander had to pass World of Outlaws regular Sheldon Haldenschild just metres from the finish line to snatch victory and the 50 grand purse. Defending Classic champion Lachlan McHugh finished third. The three-night classic saw rising star Tate Frost claim the A-Main win on Friday before rain hampered Saturday evening's racing. With almost two full nights of racing to be run on Sunday, Hodges Motorsports' James McFadden took the preliminary A-Main win. The Napa Auto Parts driver started the classic proper in third place and took an early lead before clipping a wall and damaging his suspension. He raced on to finish fifth. The Australian Sprint Car World's attention now turns to Perth for the running of the Australian titles in a few weeks' time. In America, the Daytona 24 Hours took place and it was Acura completing back-to-back wins in the traditional season opener. The Meyer Shank Racing Quartet of Tom Blomquist, Colin Braun, Helio Castroneves and Simon Pagano led an Acura 1-2 as Cadillac finished third. Australian Matt Campbell's Porsche entry was struck down with electrical gremlins. Aussie James Allen took out the LMP2 class in a photo finish for Proton Competition Orica. Contesting the same class, Scott McLaughlin was fifth after a leaky drink bottle led to ECU problems early in the race. Other Aussies included Ryan Briscoe finishing sixth in GTD, third for Cameron Shields in LMP3, as both Kenny Habul and Josh Burden failed to finish. Pascal Rielin dominated Formula E's latest round in Saudi Arabia winning both legs in his Porsche entry. Also overseas, the annual Race of Champions event saw father and son team Petter and Oliver Solberg take Team Norway to victory in Sweden. In the solo section of the competition, it was four-time Race of Champions winner Matthias Ekstrom claiming victory ahead of former Formula One driver Mick Schumacher, 
replicating a result the Swede had against the latter's father more than a decade ago. And in round three of the Castrol Formula Regional Oceana Championship at Manfield, three different winners greeted the chequered flag. Newcomer Lewis Foster won the opening wet affair. Brit Josh Mason took his maiden victory in race two, while local James Penrose claimed the feature win. Austrian Charlie Wirtz remains the championship leader, despite a collision with Foster dropping him from the lead in the feature race. That's the racing news from home and abroad. With thanks to our friends at Bob Jane Team Arts, I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus. Thanks, Grant. This coming weekend, it's all about the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 Hour, live on Fox Sports and also free on 7 and 7 Plus. Finally, an insider note. Tickford Racing media man Mitch Robinson is joining the Supercars communications team. That's good news for media folk, as Mitch is a PR pro. He's American, but he adapted to supercars quickly and has been among the most effective team PRs in recent years. Not surprising, really, as Mitch is the son of veteran IndyCar comms man Mark Robinson with whom I had the pleasure of working back in my days in the States. Americans invented media relations and Mitch Robinson exemplifies their professional approach. Mitch will be an asset to supercars, working with hardworking communications manager Paul Clubber. Well, that's it for now. Back next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday, featuring a huge preview of the Bathurst 12 Hour. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 